You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Hello and welcome to Out of Office. I hope 2022 has been off to a good and healthy start for you. I'm your host, Malika Kapoor. Years ago, when my next guest was in the early stages of her career, she was assigned a male mentor. He told her she had to make a choice. I mean, one of the things he said is, well, of course, you'll need to choose between being a mother and being an executive. And honestly, it it took me aback because Malika, at that point, I was already the mother of two children. This mom went on to become one of the most successful women in corporate America. Barbara Humpton is the CEO of Siemens USA, a company that's driving transformation in a variety of industries through its digital twin program. I'll have more on that in a bit. In this episode of Out of Office, I speak to Barbara about her background. Two things stand out. Her love for problem solving. Well, I actually was raised by two college professors, math professors to be exact. And so ours was a home that was filled with the joy of problem solving. And for my dad, it was always the mathematical monthly would come and he'd be in his big cozy chair working math problems and saying, aha, I've had a breakthrough. Let's see if this one gets published. And, and you know, seeing that, that joy in problem solving and math was contagious. And growing up in a family of rule breakers. And my mom, by the way, was someone who was always breaking molds. She was the first woman to run in the road race between Lexington and Buena Vista, the neighboring town. And she was the one on Sundays, you know, hanging out with the guys watching football games while my dad cooked dinner. So, you know, being in a family of lively rule breakers <laughs> was, was, was actually, I think, formative. And so this idea that we can have an impact on the world and we can solve big problems. We talk about the problems Siemens is trying to solve, about inclusive leadership, blending her professional and personal life, and why she's okay with being nice. I was often told in my early career, I was too nice to be a leader. And now I'm finding that nice people get a lot more done. <laughs> Here's Barbara Humpton on Out of Office. Barbara, thank you so much for joining me on Out of Office. Malika, it's wonderful to be with you. You are known for innovation. And under your leadership, Siemens has really been all about smart manufacturing. 
Yet in the last year, we've seen the world turn upside down. We've seen supply chains broken and we've seen a tremendous chip shortage. I'm imagining that's kept you up at night. Oh, I'm going to just share with you that I actually sleep really well at night, but I'll tell you why. <laughs> okay, tell me. <laughs> I am, it's because I just rely on the expertise of the, the professionals that we have at Siemens. Yes, we are dealing with the same issues that manufacturers around the world are dealing with, but, but we are dealing with it and finding ways to adjust and renew find new methods for approaching these challenges and how to thrive, even in the face of disruption. One of the things I've been fascinated about and reading up about you and the company is what you call digital twins. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Because I know you've used it from everything from medicine to, to rovers that land on Mars. That's right. Well, if, did you see the movie? <clears throat> did you see the movie Hidden Figures? In Hidden Figures, right? We saw what we saw were the women who were called computers. You know, the idea that you know it takes mathematics to solve some really tough problems. And what we saw in Hidden Figures was actual people crunching the numbers and helping scientists get us to the moon. And in industries of all kinds. That was the way things were done. Paper, paper, pencil, maybe slide rules in order to compute. What are we going to do? How are we going to build this thing? How will we get from point A to point B? Today's world gives us digital tools so that we can create the digital twin of something that we want to accomplish. And when we make those digital plans, we have the ability to play with them in ways we never did before. And our computers are so fast that we can go through thousands of permutations, try different techniques, maybe even turn to a computer and say, what would be the optimal design if what I'm trying to achieve is? And we call these things digital twins. It's not something we've built in the real world. It's a virtual representation of something. And in fact, then it, it really shuts, it closes down the time frames. It, it reduces the time it takes for us to then actually get to final production for an item. A great example is what happened during the pandemic. With, you know, everybody was looking for ventilators. Where are ventilators? And Medtronic turned to Siemens and said, hey, what if you could capture the digital design of our ventilator, you know, one of the basic models? It enabled manufacturers all around the world then to quickly turn to those digital blueprints and manufacture ventilators where they were most needed. It's that kind of concept that got me thinking a year and a half ago, well, why would we need a physical stockpile of things we might never use if we could, in fact, create a strategic digital twin reserve and keep a stockpile of designs for things that we might need in case of an emergency. And then by upgrading factories, making them more flexible, we then have the ability to produce what we need when we need at scale. Barbara, I have to ask you, what sparked your interest in engineering? Well, I actually was raised by two college professors, math professors to be exact. And so ours was a home that was filled with the joy of problem solving. 
And for my dad, it was always the mathematical monthly would come and he'd be in his big cozy chair working math problems and saying, aha, I've had a breakthrough. Let's see if this one gets published. And, and you know, seeing that, that joy in problem solving and math was contagious. I went to school thinking I would be a math professor like my parents, but it turned out that um, what I, I got invited after college to take a job at IBM, got started as a computer programmer, the legacy of the hidden figures, and 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 have had just a, a lot of fun solving some of the world's most challenging problems as part of very large teams. I mean, even today, it's rare to see a woman leading a manufacturing firm. It's rare to see women in the fields of engineering, manufacturing. When you started, tell us a little bit about that. I know you were given some choices by a male mentor. Can you tell us a little bit about that, about what he said to you? Yeah, well, I, I started at IBM and IBM had a fantastic um, employee development program. You know, the idea was to talk to employees about their aspirations and then help develop plans together that would benefit both the business and the employee. And at a certain point, I, I would have called it mid-career back then, <laughs> but but now I recognize it was still early career. I was assigned to a mentor and he, in our very first meeting, he was just sharing some observations with me. And one of the things he said is, well, of course, you'll need to choose between being a mother and being an executive. And honestly, it, it took me aback because Malika, at that point, I was already the mother of two children. <laughs> what did you say to him? Well, at the time, by the way, I was raised in Lexington, Virginia. My manners were impeccable, right? I, I would never challenge an elder in a conversation like that. I remember run, what ran through my mind at the time was, um, like, well, the, I mean, one thing was dejection, you know, it's, of course. Uh, right. I, I'm already a mother. I've made that choice. Correct. And I guess that means that branch of the tree is not available to me. Isn't that strange? I, I, I heard it that day as just a foregone conclusion. But it's interesting because there was uh, there's something else to my personality, which is kind of a, oh, well, you know, it's just get, let's get on with things. And right. and I was working on such fascinating things in those days that I just, you know, threw myself into the work and decided to do what I could do. Well, your career speaks for itself, of course. But I'm curious, do you think women still hear those kind of comments today? Oh, I, I still hear those comments today. No, you do not. Oh my heavens, yes, and and it's it's in strange and in odd places. Uh, you know, there's the question. You you're one of the most high ranking women executives, not just in the U.S. but in the world. You lead this global, massive organization, and you hear comments like this. Well, I mean, actually, let's pause for a minute and say you know, we're having this conversation. Isn't that a signal that it is still a topic? And and I, I think yes. about this, <laughs> we're, yeah. we're, we're striving within Siemens to ensure that we have a lot of diversity in our growing management ranks. And it's still hard. You know, what I hear, especially from male leaders across the country and around the world is, oh, I just don't think there's enough supply of talent. I don't think there are enough women or minorities with the skills needed in order to do this next job. 
you know, the, the pipeline isn't strong enough yet. Oh, if only the pipeline would get stronger, then of course, you know, we would be able to drive change. But the fact is, I have seen so many talented women at Siemens actually be selected for huge promotions into roles with other companies. So we know we have talent. We know that it's attractive to others. And part of the key thing, one of the key things is to just help our leaders, the ones who are making those hiring decisions, help them to recognize the talent that's right before their eyes. This reminds me, I just finished reading Indra Nui's book. Love it. Isn't it? Fantastic. (laughs) Fantastic. Exactly. And uh, I was thinking about it uh, when I was prepping for this conversation with you. And she does talk a lot about the importance of childcare, right? And the importance of companies stepping up to provide childcare. Is that one of the solutions to getting more women into the workforce, especially now when we've seen so many women leaving the workforce or being forced to leave the workforce as a result of the pandemic? Do companies need to step up when it comes to childcare? What's your vision? Well, yeah, my vision is it it might be a little bit different than hers. Um, We're a company that is very distributed geographically. So 40,000 people across the United States in every state and most territories. And in many places, it's one or two, five or 10, uh, you know, small offices, because what we're doing is uh, we, we want to be have a footprint that is close to the many, many, many customers we serve. It's different from being part of an organization where there's a massive headquarters building or a small number of major locations. So in our case, what we focus on is uh, being able to give our employees maximum flexibility the ability to adjust their hours. And then one of the things we are huge proponents for, and I'm happy to say I'm hearing this as a top priority of many local and state government leaders as we come through the pandemic, they're looking to spend stimulus funds on that kind of childcare and education infrastructure. That's brilliant. I think communities and states who are really thinking about children are going to be more successful in attracting businesses into their communities. It gives us the kind of workplace where we know our employees can thrive and we'll do everything we can within our policies in order to allow people to take advantage of that. And here's one of the really cool things. We used to talk about this as a women's issue and I think largely it is, but but within Siemens, what we're recognizing is it's a parent issue. <laughs> I don't care what so gender true. the parent is. So true. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do, that's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. 
Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. But, you know, Siemens is unusual. Uh, it has you leading the company now, but it's had uh, women leaders even before you. How has that changed the culture at Siemens, if at all, to have had three uh, women leading the company? Yeah, the, uh, prior to me, we had Judy Marks as the CEO of Siemens USA, and then Lisa Davis. And Lisa, by the way, both Judy and Lisa did this work in conjunction with a major role in one of our sectors at the time, uh, energy. Now, by the way, um, the, the company has morphed a lot. And what's exciting is that we are, I believe, the new model for the the way a, a very diversified corporation can thrive. So the role that I have is absolutely dedicated to, I serve as just simply CEO for Siemens in the U.S., interacting with stakeholders of all kinds, from government to major customers to suppliers, and of course, our employees. And we're, we're driving a culture that is more empowered. We're driving a culture that has a greater focus on belonging, and what I love is the fact that these things I believe in so deeply are absolute pillars of the culture Siemens is building globally. I don't know about your own experience, but have you ever worked in a company where your own personal why and values didn't quite align with the culture of the organization? You know, you come to work every day having to think, who do I have to be in order to be successful? Right. But when you arrive in a place where your organization's values are aligned with your own, you don't have to wonder, who do I have to be? You can be yourself and you know that the company is going to have your back as you go about the critical work of making decisions and representing the company. Man, that's where I've arrived now. Now, is that a female thing or not? I don't know. I think I've met some kindred spirits of other genders, of other ethnic backgrounds. So I just do think that this kind of purpose-driven leadership and this inclusive approach to managing is probably something that is rising in industry. And hearkening back to early career, I was often told in my early career, I was too nice to be a leader. Mm. And now I'm finding that nice people get a lot more done. <laughs> the importance you place on purpose, purpose-driven leadership. Where does this come from? This is obviously very important to you. Who's influenced you or where does this come from? I, well, I'll go back to my parents and being problem solvers. Uh, my dad had a theory that um, we were in little Lexington, Virginia, the home of the Virginia Military Institute and Washington Lee University. A lot of world leaders had come through this town. And his favorite phrase was, uh, nothing important happens in the world without a connection to Lexington, Virginia. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I, I, get, I guess this whole idea that we matter 
was planted in me early. And then that idea of problem solving. And my mom, by the way, was someone who was always breaking molds. She was the first woman to run in the road race between Lexington and Buena Vista, the neighboring town. And she was the one on Sundays, you know, hanging out with the guys watching football games while my dad cooked dinner. So, so, you know, being in a family of, um, of, you know, lively rule breakers <laughs> was, was, was actually, I think, formative. And so this idea that we can have an impact on the world and we can solve big problems, uh, then, you know, finding in my early career that I was involved in monumental things like the global positioning system or the introduction of biometrics to the FBI, the, the idea that you could use technology to solve some of these big problems. I, I guess for me, it was always the purpose that had so much more impact than, oh, you know, the perks of the, the business life that was going on around us. Lively rule breakers. I love that. I love that expression. Would your kids call you a rule breaker? <laughs> um, you know, I think uh, I think the kids view me as creative. They view me as imaginative. And throughout their young lives, we just had so much fun. And it's it's really cool now to see my children as parents and to see the, the things they're bringing forward to their little ones. You have four grandchildren, I believe. I do. And do they live close by? Do you get to see them? Often? We are so fortunate. Yes. And my husband and I live in Arlington, Virginia. We have our daughter nearby in McLean, Virginia. And just a little further out, our son, Charlie, and, and his little one are out in Reston, Virginia. So the whole family, in fact, it's we, we are very intentional about not being helicopter grandparents. It, it would be too easy. <laughs> so Barbara, how did you manage your kids and your career? Where did you find the balance or is there even such a thing as finding the balance or do we all have to be content just chasing the balance? Oh my, I, that's interesting. That, that's, a, that's a really cool way of saying chasing the balance because I think that is the goal a lot of us were given. And you think about balance. Balance means perfect equilibrium. Balance means not falling off. You know, (laughs) the opposite of balance is awful. And so I actually substituted a word back in the 2000s when suddenly, you know, I, I had tweens. And and that really active time of a child's life where you begin to wonder, can I really do both? And what I discovered was the work life blend. You know, back in those days, we were just beginning to introduce technologies, you know, like mobile phones that would make it possible for us to stay connected. So I could be on the sidelines of a soccer game and in a meeting at the same time. And that work-life blend for me changed everything because I wasn't striving for a perfect balance. What I was striving for was the same thing that a farmer might have to think about. Is it time to harvest? Is it time to plant? Do what needs to be done when it needs to be done. Now, I mean, the other thing I discovered, I was fortunate enough to be in a position in management where I had teams around me. And so the other thing I discovered is people want to be asked to do more. I know I do, right? Every time my I've had a, a boss come to me and say, hey, Barb, this is something I would normally handle, but could you take this on for me? I've actually felt like I was being recognized. It was a motivator. And so for me, the idea of 
delegating more actually became a gift to others and at the same time helped make the work-life blend all that more effective. Yeah, I, I have a tween and a teenager as well. So I hear you and I hear you about sort of being on the side of a game and answering an email. But sometimes I'm racked with guilt when I do that. Is that something you hear from women often? Of course, of course. And, and I've felt it as well. And the only thing I can tell you is that, man, the rearview mirror is beautiful. <laughs> when, when you're in the middle of these things, it feels like this is it. This is the end. This is the way things will always be. And these, I'm here to tell you, are fleeting moments in your career. And, and what, what I've discovered is that any kind of regret, guilt, doubt, all of that is wasted energy. You have to forgive yourself. You, you have to say, we, we're choosing this path that we're on, whether it's working and having teens, even, even teens who are going through difficult times. The fact is they need to grow up. You can't grow up for them. So let them be, let them be themselves. Let them find their way they're going to be okay. And they're actually, they may, they may actually thrive without too much assistance. And, and so when you get to look at it in the rearview mirror and it looks so wonderful, you'll be really glad that you didn't waste your time worrying and fretting about things that truly were out of your control. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor Q&B. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Barbara, who do you think has had the biggest influence on your life, either professionally or personally? Oh, wow. So many. I mean, you hear me talk about my parents and and this is something that I would say I share with Indra, the, the idea that our families, our families are our bedrock. 
And and so I really do feel that having parents who <laughs> literally said to me, you can be anything you want, which was, I found very perplexing at the time yeah. <laughs> because I was like, oh, I, I don't know. I, I like so many things. What should I choose? But actually it was such an empowering thing. And then to have a mother who said, when I was early in my management career and I was sort of proudly saying, I'm doing performance evaluations and I'm giving people feedback about how they can be better. And her question to me was, how come you can't just give people positive feedback? You know, it's like a, it's like a lightning bolt for me. So I, I will tell you that my parents have, have been that lighthouse for me all these many years. And another thing Indra and you have in common are very supportive husbands. Indeed. Uh, You know, and and this is another thing that I'm really, really fortunate in. Uh, Dave and I met 38 years ago, married 36 years ago, through thick and thin, have have been in this together. Where did you meet him? Oh, we met the second semester of senior year at Wake Forest University. Many thanks to, well, and oddly, I had taken a year off. I should have graduated a year before he did. I had taken a year off to be a babysitter for a family in Venice, Italy. So I was was la babysitter to two wonderful bambini. And when I came back to Wake Forest for my senior year, I was placed with total strangers. And my roommate was friends with this David Humpton, who she thought I should meet. And interestingly, the, the, we just got together with Mary and her husband uh, at the beginning of September for a bike ride through southern France. So Mary and Gary Doton brought us together. And 36 years of marriage, Dave has been remarkable. And at moments when, yeah, there were real questions about, mm, you know, what should we be doing as a family? When I was tempted to say, let me step away and let me focus on the children. Maybe that's the right answer. His response was, Barb, you love your work. No, we've got, we'll, we'll find, let's find another answer. And so, so often that was the, the answer came in the form of uh, in-home daycare provider. Uh, our children went to family daycare for many years. Mary Stang was their other mother. And then, then we, for many years, we had people who came to our home and provided childcare for us. Oh, there was the year when our daughter, who was six, fired the babysitter. <laughs> so there were there were crazy things along the way, but but all in all, as I say, it looks pretty good in the rearview mirror. You know, this conversation is about leadership and. What is the one value you most respect or admire in leaders? I think the thing I admire the most, believe it or not, is humility. It's amazing when you see a leader who is humble, who empowers others to to be themselves and get things done, who celebrates the accomplishments of others. I'm a big proponent of the good to great theories. Uh, Jim Collins and his, co- and his co-authors, you know, have shown us a world where the, the truly sustainable companies are led by people who are humble. Sustainability. I know that's another big focus, a personal focus for you and a big priority for Siemens. And you're aiming to be uh, carbon neutral 
by 2030. This is a lofty goal. How are you getting there? How are you doing? And why is this priority number one for you? This is the most important thing we are doing, and it is central to our overall business strategy. And in fact, yes, we were one of the first, we were the first industrial company to make the pledge to be carbon neutral by 2030, and we've upped our game to be net zero. I mean, what this means is we're looking across our supply chain, we're looking at our suppliers, and we're working with our customers to remove carbon and and become net zero. And, you know, the hard thing about this, I, I do believe that we sit right at the center point of the most difficult transformations that have to happen. Yes, we're involved in helping the managers of the electric grid. We're also helping the managers of buildings. Buildings account for 40% of CO2 emissions globally. We're working with customers in industries that are carbon heavy. And and what we've done is we've put our know-how in electrification, automation, digitalization. We've put all of that know-how to work in order to help this whole ecosystem become more sustainable. A quick example is a year ago, I'm on the Global Sustainability Board, and we had a presentation from our supply chain experts who said, you know, we've created this tool, we're calling it the Green Digital Twin, hearkening back to our digital twin discussion. What they've said is we can create the digital twin of something that we're getting ready to buy and ask ourselves who, which of our suppliers offers us the most sustainable uh, proposal. And of course, we saw this and said, my heavens, this is the key to unlocking everything. Now we've turned that around and said, let's take that to our customers and help them do an analysis of their own supply chains. That includes us uh, in, in order to become more sustainable. So it's not only something we're doing for ourselves. It's not only something we're facilitating with our customers. It is our business. This is going to be an exciting decade of change. Barbara, this podcast is called Out of Office. What's your favorite thing to do when you're out of the office? <laughs> you mean besides spending time with my grandchildren? I, you know, it's it's funny when I when I've got you know small blips of time. I love working puzzles. Believe it or not, I'm a daily New York Times crossword solver, and I love Sudoku. Oh, I am and, too. Oh, good for you! I love it. I can't sleep without doing it. Something feel doesn't feel right. A daily accomplishment, and and it's keeping our minds sharp, don't you think? I think so. (laughs) But but when we have more time, my favorite thing is traveling with Dave. We've been to all seven continents now. And, you know, every time we think we've seen it all, then the next wonder pops up in front of us. So I'm hoping we'll be able to get back to, uh, to seeing the world in short order. What's next on your bucket list when you are able to travel safely? Ooh, well, the next thing I'm looking forward to is a trip to Jordan. We were at an MS Society uh, auction and bid on a trip organized by the Embassy of Jordan. And uh, it's going to be such a treat to be the guests of Jordan itself. Fabulous. Well, I hope you can do that soon. And Barbara, thank you so much for giving me your time. I've loved chatting with you. Malika, it's been a pleasure. That was Barbara Humpton, CEO of Siemens USA on Out of Office this week. Thank you for joining us. This episode was produced by Laura Carlson. I'm Malika Kapoor. I'd love to hear from you, so do send me a message. My handle is at thisismalika on Twitter. 
We'll be back in two weeks. Till then, stay well. And as always, thank you for listening. you do if your data was working for you and not against you with bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems you get easy access to the details you want optimized for higher level analysis and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move our data is made for more so you can show the world what you're made of visit bloomberg.com enterprise data to learn more